0: Yopti Janavallabha Girivaradha Shodanandana, Rajajana, Rajana, Rajajana, Rajajana, Rajajana,
1: All glories, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Sri Guru and Godanga, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Om agyanat janajana chalakaya chakshurunminitam jaina tasmai shri Guru Venamaha I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge I offer my respectful obeisances unto him shri chaitanya Manovistam stapitam jaina buchale swayam rupaka damayam tadatit swa padantikam When will Srila Rupa Goswami Prabhupada, who has established within this material world the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet? I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone. And they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Advaita I offer my respectful obeisances unto Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda, Shri Advaita, Gadadhar Pandit, Sri Vastakor, and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna,
0: Krishna Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So today is Tuesday,
1: April 20th, 2021, and we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 1, Creation, Chapter 7, The Son of Drona Punished, Text 6. Anarthopashamam
0: sakshad. Bhakti Yoga Madokshaje Lokashya Janato Vidvams Chakra Satvatasam Hitam Anarto Pashamam Sakshad Bhakti-yogam-padoksha-jaya, lukasya-janato-vidvamsa, sakra-sattvata-samhitam, anartha pashamam bhakti Bhakti-yoga-madoksha-jaya. Lokasya-janato-vidhvams. Sakre-sattvata-samhitam.
1: anartha Things which are superfluous. Upashamam, Upashamam. Mitigation. mitigation. Shakshat, Shakshat. directly. directly. Bhakti Yogam, the linking process of devotional service. Adoksaje, unto the transcendence. Bakti-yogam. Lokashya, Of the general mass of men. Ajanatta, those who are unaware of. Vidvan, the supremely learned. Chakra, compiled. Sattvata, in relation with the supreme truth. Samhitam, Vedic literature. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. The material miseries of the living entity, which are superfluous to them, can be directly mitigated by the linking process of devotional service. But the mass of people do not know this, and therefore the learned Vyasadeva compiled this Vedic literature, which is in relation to the Supreme Truth report. Srila Vrasyadev saw the all-perfect personality of Godhead. This statement suggests that the complete unit of the personality of Godhead includes his parts and parcels also. He saw, therefore, his different energies, namely the internal energy, the marginal energy, and the external energy. He also saw his different plenary portions and parts of the plenary portions, namely his different incarnations also. And he specifically observed the unwanted miseries of the conditioned souls, who are bewildered by the external energy. And at last he saw the remedial measure for the conditioned souls, namely the process of devotional service, It is a great transcendental science and begins with the process of hearing and chanting the name, fame, glory, etc. of the supreme personality of Godhead. Revival of the dormant affection or love of Godhead does not depend on the mechanical system of hearing and chanting, but it solely and wholly depends on the causeless mercy of the Lord. When the Lord is fully satisfied with the sincere efforts of the devotee, he may endow them with his transcendental loving service. But even with the prescribed forms of hearing and chanting, there is at once mitigation of the superfluous and unwanted miseries of material existence. Such mitigation of material affection does not wait for development of transcendental knowledge. Rather, knowledge is dependent on devotional service for the ultimate realization of the supreme truth. So I thought it was really interesting that since we've started giving class again, practically every verse that I've given class on has this theme of the material world is full of miseries and to break free of it, we have to surrender to Krishna, devotional service. And I was thinking, you know, that's, We're like on six or seven weeks now that we've returned to giving class. That's six or seven weeks of the same verse in different ways over and over again, like the same theme, right? The material world is full of miseries, and the only way we can break free is to to surrender to Krishna, devotional service. And I thought, you know, that's, I don't, I mean, the thing is we've done chapter six before, so the interesting thing about this is Last year, when we went into lockdown, we stopped giving class, and then we started up again, and then we stopped sometime in mid-June. And the week we stopped, I was actually supposed to give class on this verse again, you know, previously, so I thought it was really coincidental. So during that time, I don't remember having that many verses that were that were saying this same thing over and over again. And I thought, why is this repeated, you know, six or seven times in the course of a chapter and now we're in chapter seven we started chapter seven i think it's because we need to hear it over and over again the material world is full of miseries like we can say yeah that makes sense it is it's true but yet we're attached to it so how true does it ring for us that the material world is full of miseries right what are some things that bring you misery? Allergies, right? Your body. (laughs) COVID-19, so that's also the body, but it's also, I guess you could say, other living entities. Misha? Weather? So nature, cold, hot. So we have so many things that bring us misery, right? We can have body aches and pains. We can have hot, cold weather. We could have... Somebody said something and, oh, my God, what do they mean by that? And were they talking about me? Or, you know, like there's other people that can cause us misery. We can go on about all the miseries that are going on, you know, racism, sexism, all these isms, right? Recently we've had some attacks on the Asian community. So there's this uh, other living entities causing harm to um, us, and so we can see so many examples of the material world is filled with miseries, and yet we don't learn this lesson. There's a few reasons I think for this. So one of them is, I've heard this said in a lot of like spiritually woke communities, right? Is that um, we have the darkness so we can appreciate the light. We have the bad so we can appreciate the good. We have the pain so we can appreciate the pleasure. So in some ways, they're just accepting that these these dualities exist and that that's just the way life is. Like this too shall pass is partly saying like, you know, you have miseries and then you'll have good times and it comes in cycles. So there's that aspect of it. So we just have kind of accepted that misery is a part of life discomfort's a part of life. Nothing's going to be 100%. We accept that, right? There's always the good and the bad, you know, the give and take. You weigh the pros and cons. Nothing's ever all pros, right? Um, and similarly, there's not really, there's a few things that are a lot of cons, but there's nothing that's all cons, right? Like that's all bad or all good. We always have some kind of combination of the two. And um, so there's that aspect of it that, the world isn't as miserable as we think it is and there's the good the good times too so just bear through the bad times because the good times will come and we can enjoy the good times the other part of it is sometimes we forget the miseries that we experience as time goes on oh yeah that wasn't as bad you know we forget the pain that we are in a good example of that is um well i've heard is can be childbirth right so um and I've experienced this with both of my in-laws and friends of mine that have gotten pregnant. You know, the first trimester, people get re- the women get really sick. They may have morning sickness that lasts all throughout. You know, certain smells, so that's like a discomfort. I mean, that's not a comfortable way to live. Um, and then the third trimester, you know, the the baby's really growing, so it's hard for the mother to sit comfortably. Um, you know, like for me personally, I like to sleep on my back, but when you're pregnant, I've heard you can't really do that because the baby puts so much pressure on your on your organs, so you have to sleep on your side. Um, so, you know, that for people that are used to sleeping on the back, that can be a discomfort too as the baby gets bigger. And then I've heard that childbirth itself can be very painful. Um, you know, we have drugs to help mitigate some of the pain. We have breathing techniques and all these different things that we can do to help mitigate the pain, but there's pain for the woman during childbirth. And yet, and then, of course, the first couple of months, like there's no sleep for the parents, you know. But then they think, oh, this is so, the pain, the woman thinks the pain is so worth it because look at this beautiful baby that I have, this beautiful child that I have. So in that sense, it becomes worth it. And then a couple of years later, oftentimes women have another baby. You know, because they think, oh, it wasn't that bad. I endured it once. I can endure it again. And look at the results. I get this baby. That's a big example I can see. Smaller examples would be something like, you know, I told this story before about the cold, right? When there was no power and it was freezing cold in my house and it was really, I was really miserable. It was really cold. Well, I still remember that pain. I'm not going to mitigate that one. But a couple years ago, there was no power, and it was hot. And I'm sure that I was really uncomfortable and maybe complained even during that time that there was no power, there's no AC, and it's 100 degrees outside. And, um, you know, like the refrigerator, you can't use it. Everything's going bad, so you have to eat what you can. And I'm sure there was some misery, but I look back and I'm like, yeah, it was fine. I can endure that. Like, I've forgotten the pain that, I, that was associated with it at that time. So we tend to do that. And sometimes when things are really traumatic, our mind um, makes us forget the, that really severe discomfort pain. So a lot of times people will forget the trauma that they've endured as a way of coping. It's a coping mechanism. So we can see that even though the world is filled with miseries, we've gotten gotten used to it. I remember one time I was having a conversation with my brother, and he was saying, you know, I was like, I think we were in India, and I was complaining about how hot it is. And, you know, I was like, how do these guys on the street, like, sit in these little, don't um, you know, like, cubby holes or, like, little huts, and they fry, and it's, like, 100 degrees outside, and they're frying, and it's probably 150 degrees inside and my brother goes, he, they just acclimate. Like, we can acclimate to any level of discomfort. And I thought, that's so true. We really can acclimate to any level of discomfort. I mean, yeah, we want it to be over, but we can endure it in that moment, right? So these guys are like frying pakoras in this heat, and, and, you know, they're in this closed space, so the heat is staying in where they are. And they're just, you know, like it's a normal day. You get used to it. So, in the verse, this is, this is um, stated when it says, but the mass of people do not know this. And we're included in the mass of people. We're on the process of realizing this, but we truly haven't come to the point of knowing this. Otherwise, we would, we'd have no attachments. We'd be fully surrendered. And so the only way we can mitigate this, right? The other thing that's said in the verse is that these material miseries are superfluous to the living entity. So that means it's like extra, so extra, right? Like we don't really need that. We're not, it's not really a part of us. It's not really us. It's the body that's undergoing the mind that's undergoing these miseries. But who we are, spirit souls, you know, of transcendental bliss and knowledge, eternal beings, you know, servants of Krishna, we're not undergoing these things. We're covered up so we associate ourselves with our bodies. But we're not the body, right? So we want to take care of the body. Certainly, right? We have this body. We've been given this body for Krishna. We want to use the body in Krishna's service. So we want to make sure that we're maintaining the body. Um, And that can be, you know, making sure that we're eating healthy, exercising, sleeping. You know, I think in the Bhagavad Gita it says not eating too much or too little, not sleeping too much or too little. You know, um, everything kind of in moderation. So, you know, we want to make sure we're taking care of the body. Krishna's lent us this body so that we can realize who we are, that we can surrender to him. It's just like if I lent my sister a shirt, my shirt, right? I expect her to take care of my shirt. But if she gives it back to me and it's like ripped and dirty and she's like, oh, I don't know. I just, you know, I just kinda tossed it around and I'm like, but that was my shirt, you know? Or if I lend somebody my car and they bring it back and it's completely dirty, which it kind of is right now. <laughs> Marge makes fun of me about how dirty my car is. <laughs> so what if they came back and brought it back to me clean? It'd be like, wow, what a surprise. Thank you so much, right? You took care of this thing for me. It's in that same way. Like, Krishna, if we take care of our bodies, Krishna's going to be like, wow, you know, you really are honoring everything that I'm giving you and taking care of it. So we want to make sure we're taking care of the body so, so that we can serve Krishna. But we also want to realize that we're not this body. And in order to realize that, we have so many things that we do, right? Chanting is the big thing, japa. Um, in the verse, it says that Vyasadeva compiled this Vedic literature, Srimad Bhagavatam, specifically for us to realizes, to teach us this, that we, the material world is full of miseries, that we are not this material body, that we are spirit souls, and that Krishna is the goal, right? He's he's what we are striving for. And Prabhupada goes on to explain all the different things, the different layers of Krishna, right? His external energy, his internal potency, his marginal energy, and how we fit into that. Um, And learning all of that is what helps bring us closer to Krishna. And that's what the Srimad Bhagavatam does. It talks about all these different parts. So we want to revive our love for Krishna. So, you know... What are some ways that we can revive our love for Krishna? Reading the pastimes? Taking darshan? Chanting? Japa, kirtan? Hearing? Exactly then the purport Prabhupada says it begins with the process of hearing and chanting the name fame glory etc so learning everything that we can about krishna you know like because we want to really find our love for krishna when we love someone we want to know everything about them you know what do they like what do they dislike where do they live how do they look what are their names what are they called you know um what makes them them? Right? We all have that. Like, right? what makes us unique? Right. What makes us us? Um, what do we stand for? Right. We want to know all of those things about the person that we love, and Krishna is the person that we really ultimately love. So we want to learn all these things, and we do that by hearing about His pastimes and His glories and His names. And then ProPad goes on to say that it doesn't depend on the mechanical system of hearing and chanting. So a lot of us fall into this trap of, oh my God, I have to chant my rounds. You know, I've got to get that number 16 rounds done, you know. And so it's like this chore all of a sudden, and we kind of do it mechanically. And that's not really how it's to be done, right? Now, I've heard it said, my, my spiritual master, Tamal Krishna Goswami, said that, you know, in the beginning, it's going to be mechanical. We, we're going to chant, and we want to chant, even if we're committing so many offenses, because it's better than not chanting. But we want to chant with the idea of, please slowly purify me, right? With this idea of, I'm chanting because I have to chant but please bring me to a place where I feel like I want to chant. I get to chant. Right? And slowly that comes. I mean, I'm still waiting. You know. <laughs> I've been chanting a long number of years, not as long as some, but longer than others. I'm still waiting, but there are times where it's like, okay, I get to chant. You know, it's sometimes just there's this thing we have called affirmations. Just sometimes, just sometimes saying some affirmations make you start to believe it. So every time I have to say, I say I have to chant. I catch myself and immediately I say I get to chant. I'm making the choice to chant. Right? I'm making the choice to read. I'm making the choice to dress the deities, to come to the temple. It's not. It's not because I have to. It's, I'm making that choice. You know. If you feel like you have to, well, then who's forcing you? Because if you're being forced, then that's not what Krishna wants. So we're making these choices every single day, you know, making the choice to eat prasadam, and so we want to make sure that we're that we understand that that this is not something that we're forced to do, that we have to do. It's a privilege. It's an honor, right? We get to do this. We get to chant because. And the verse that says the mass of people do not know this. So many people don't know this information, that material world is full of miseries and that we can break free from this cycle of duality. It doesn't have to be all, you know, the good comes with the bad. You know, medications have side effects. Like, that's a given, right? You get some benefits, but there's always side effects. And you always have to weigh the risks and benefits. It's not like that with transcendental devotional, loving service. It's all good. Now, because of our material conditioning, we may undergo some discomfort to help us bring us closer to Krishna. Right? Like if we look at the example of of Queen Kunti, a pure devotee. How much did she have to endure? She had to endure so many different levels of miseries in the Pandavas, you know, like having, trying to be, the Kauravas trying to kill the Pandavas on so many different levels and surviving the fire and her, you know, her husband dies and she's left to raise five boys on her own. But at every point she kept saying, thank you, Krishna, because every time you send me these miseries, I just think more of you. I depend more on you. And that's where we want to be. Because even in the miseries, when we're depending on Krishna, we're feeling the joy. We're not feeling the misery. So that's where we really want to make a difference. The mass of people do not know this. This is a call for preaching, for spreading this message of Krishna consciousness. You know, every town, every village, right? That was Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's desire, right, to have Hare Krishna chanted in every town and every village. And Srila Prabhupada did that. He took this knowledge outside of India and spread it all over the world, that this material world is full of miseries. This is not a place for a sane gentleman or gentlewoman. We want to break free from this material miserable place. And we want to find who we truly are, you know, Everybody's talking about we want to find ourselves. But we want to figure that out. And who we are is servants of Krishna. We all have our ways, you know, we all have our different relationships that we are servants of Krishna. The different relationships that we can have with Krishna. But even in that, there's such uniqueness. It's not like we're all, you know, um, Krishna's not the father to all of us. Krishna's not the son to to all of us. Krishna's not the friend to all of us. But he's the friend to some of us. You know, he's the father to some of us. He's the the son to some of us. And to some, he's our lover, right? He's the beloved. So we have so many different relationships with Krishna. And that makes it unique because he's a person, right? We have each each of us have so many different types of relationships with other people. So that's going to be the same with Krishna. We want to spread this message, you know, in the way that Works for us, and I said this before. Like for some people, that is going out on book distribution and approaching strangers and being able to size up a person immediately and know what to say to a person. For some of us, it's for me. I find it's you know i I preach by example. I do the best that I can to follow these principles. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, to be a lighthouse, right? So a lighthouse just sits and shines its lights, and the boats come to the lighthouse, you know. So that's how I feel like I'm, you know, people ask, great. And then I also feel that because, you know, my training and background is in medicine, I'm a doctor, so health is another way that I can talk to people about Krishna consciousness, right? We're doing all these things for our body. What are we doing for who we truly are, our soul? And more and more, this is becoming recognized in the health wellness world that health isn't just the physical body. It's all of it. It's the mind, it's the spirit, you know, and really it is the mind. The mind is in control of everything. You know, like, um, I've talked about, you know, when we start building healthy habits, right? It's the mind that can keep us from succeeding in in creating healthy habits or not. You know, the mind is like, oh, just have that piece of cake. It's okay. It'll it'll be fine, just for today. And then tomorrow, it's just another just for today. And then before you know it, you know, you haven't really abstained from the things that you need to. You haven't really eaten the vegetables that you need to. Or you haven't exercised. It's okay, just sit on the couch. You can exercise tomorrow. These potato chips taste good. Just sit and eat. Like, that's the mind that does that to us. So we really want to make sure that we're controlling the mind. And, and more and more, um, the wellness and health industry is recognizing this, that we need to help you know, understand the mind, what drives us, why we do certain things, why, um, you know, why is it hard? We all know what we need to do. If I asked anybody on the street, what do you need to do to be healthy? Everybody knows. Eat healthy, exercise, sleep well, drink water, cut out the sugar. You know, Even they'll say, oh, yeah, eat, eat um, less meat or no meat. I mean, that's becoming widely recognized as well, that meat and animal products are bad for us. And yet, so many people don't know. I mean, people that smoke know that cigarette smoke is harmful to them and those around them. And yet they can't quit. It's the mind that does that. So we really have to understand this mind and get it under control. And the Bhagavad Gita really gives some great instructions on how to do that. All of chapter six is, you know, about meditating. Um, But all of it, really, the more we start, we surrender to Krishna, the more in control that we are, and the mind is no longer in control. The mind is what kind of keeps, it makes us think that, you know, the mind is what's controlling us. And so we want to be able to control our mind. You know, we get all this in sensory information that feeds our emotion, that feeds our mind, and that feeds our emotions, and then we react in a certain way. <clears throat> but really, the Bhagavad Gita tells us that there is no, you know, miseries, happiness, distress, cold hot, cold, all these things are the same. Whatever is going on, if we find that internal joy, that internal bliss, then it doesn't matter what's going on. So we do that by chanting and by hearing and by reading. And then by, you know, one step further, because this is what Prabhupada's mission was, is to, to share this knowledge. People don't know, right? So either they're willfully ignorant, they don't want to know. Sometimes people are like, ignorance is bliss, don't tell me, because then I'll have to know about it. And that happens actually a lot of times with um, the horrors of the animal agricultural industry. People just don't want to know about it. Because once they know about it, they know that they can no longer enjoy those foods or those products or whatever it is. So they just don't tell me. So there's that willful ignorance. There's the other, um, you know, so we know what we know. We, um, kind of know what we don't know. Sometimes we, we kind of make a conscious effort that we don't want to know that. Um, sometimes we don't know what we know. That's that subliminal, that subconscious, um, information that we have. You know, somebody says something and you say, you answer back and you're like oh where did that come from i guess i must have read that somewhere and it stuck right so we don't know what we know but the really the big part is we don't know what we don't know and that's a majority of the knowledge out there and for so many people this relationship with krishna is what we don't know so we want to like help people to know this plant seeds you know, even just chanting the Harinams that we do, hopefully we'll you know starting to do them again as um, the world opens back up. But just hearing the name, um, people seeing who you are, learning that we need to control the mind, and then they're thinking, okay, what else is there? There's got to be something more.
0: Right?
1: So once they start thinking like that, then they're prime and ready to hear. And sometimes they'll ask, right? I've had so many of my friends that ask me, well, what are you doing? Like, how, you know, how do you, how did you survive med school? How did you survive residency, you know? What were some of the things that I, and I tell them that while I was doing mantra meditation, I was really honing in on my relationship with God, with the divine, with the source, really tapping into that energy and that really enlivened me, you know, helped me get through these tough times in my life. So even when, even no matter what level of preaching that we do, I think it's super important that we are the example. And being the example doesn't mean being perfect. If we're perfect, then you know, we probably wouldn't be here. We're all on that path of perfection. And that's the important thing. And we're we're all on different um, places in the path, right? Some people are up ahead. Some people are back. Some people are at the very beginning. Some people are contemplating getting on the path. Wherever it is, we just want to meet people where they are and be compassionate for what they're going through. Because remember, the material world is full of miseries, but it's also very conditioning, and so we have all these desires, and um, you know, things that we want, things that we we feel like it should be this way, and we want it this way. Um, attachments, and that can be very difficult to give up. So sometimes, you know, the closer you get to giving it up, sometimes that people really like get scared and you know, they're kind of entering the unknown, so then they may jump back a little. So really it's about having compassion. The material world is a place full of misery. So when they're in the association of people that are devotees, that are devoted to figuring out that we are spirit souls, and realizing this, that should be a safe space for everyone. right? That should be a place where everyone feels compassion and love and accepted, and not judged. So that's the kind of mood that we want to have, is that everyone is accepted, and everyone's on their own journey, and dealing with their own anarthas, their own miseries, and um, dirt that needs to be cleansed from the heart. We all have different things that keep us attached. So we can be compassionate for everyone else, right, for everyone else's journey. And I've heard it said, you know, be um, strict with yourself and lenient with others. But I also think it's important to be compassionate for our, with ourselves as well. Because sometimes we can shoot ourselves into a spiral, right? And then that can that can cause us to, like, pull back a little. Because we're like, man, I should be doing this, and I have to chant, and I should you know, read, and I should make some prasadam and offer it, and, you know, just like, there's so many shoulds that we have. So, we really want to be compassionate. Like, what is it that we, where are we really in our devotional progress? And, you know, when you know where you are, you know it's easier to go where you need to go, right? If I'm using my GPS, and I'm like, you know take me to the temple but then i'm not telling the gps where i'm starting from the gps is like well the temple's there you figure it out because i don't know where you are you know so you kind of have to know exactly where you are so that you can truly honestly progress and not um, fall down sometimes some, sometimes that can be one of the reasons is that we may think that we're not we are further than we are. And so then when we get tested, you know, it, it shows us that we're not where we th- think we are and we have more work to do. And that can be discouraging for some people. If we know exactly what we are, what our weaknesses are, what our flaws are, what do we need to work on, um, then we can, you know, honestly, safely work on those things. So. Um, that's, what I, that's all I have for today. What questions do you have? That does make sense. So. even Just listening to somebody who doesn't believe necessarily what I believe
0: and giving them that attention and not making them feel like they're wrong.
1: So, yeah so the um, comment was made that you know about preaching that they're appreciating that, that the example of preaching by example because um, not everybody's co- uh, confident with scripture knows the scripture the verses you know they know like they're just know enough to do their own personal um, meditation routine sadhana Um but sometimes if you get into a discussion with someone who may have different, um, philosoph- philosophical beliefs like voidism or, um, oneness, right? Mayavadi philosophy. Um, sometimes it's okay to just listen to them and let that, let that be part of the discussion. And, um, cause they said that, that the, in the Bhagavad Gita it says that all paths lead to Krishna. So there is, A caveat to that. One, there's the example of Lord Chaitanya listening to the Mayavadi philosopher for like seven days without saying a word and just letting him speak until he was done. And then finally when he was done, he like countered every single point that that person made with the personal devotional relationship with Krishna. Two, To engage in that level of discussion, you definitely have to feel confident in being able to express the knowledge that we have here. And I have to admit, I I don't know if I'm that confident because part of, for me, like I'm not really big in debating because I don't think of things on the moment. Like I may think of it you 10, 15 minutes later, and be like, oh, by the way, I mean, a discussion doesn't happen like that, right? So for me, it's also like, okay, just listen. And then we can also focus on what is common right? and and help them bring out what is common between the two philosophies. Because when you focus on what's common, then you they're more likely to listen to you because they're like, oh, you understand me. So... Um, That's another way to approach it is, what are the commonalities? Because there are a lot of commonalities in oneness theory, Mayavadi theory. It's just that the end point is different. So all the, the knowledge is there, but then they miss the, the final step, the big picture of that we are spirit souls, we are person, we are unique individual spiritual beings. That, are, that have a unique and individual relationship with Krishna. And Krishna is the supreme personality, and that is his original form. Right? That's where the differences come. But everything else in there, all the philosophy of the Bhagavad Gita, they pretty much agree with. So when you can get them to start saying yes to, yeah, that's right, I agree with that. Yeah, that's right, I agree with that. Then they're more open to, you know, like, oh, you're listening to me, so let me listen to you. Any other questions or comments? All right.
0: Rantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki.